Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? No, I'm not. I didn't gain weight over the holidays. I have four layers of clothes on, man. <laughs> I'm not big on jackets on Sunday morning, so I just, yeah, I think it's four layers, actually. Three on the bottom, four on the top, if you need to know. But just so glad you joined all of us this morning. Yeah, you know, you got out, you, you braved weather, you, you, you came out for the first Sunday of 2018. I do. You know... I'm a follower of Jesus, so I'm just always filled with hope, and I have the hope that this year will be another great year in my life and in your life and in the life of still the young life of this wonderful church. Uh, I, got a, I was exchanging text this morning with a pastor. I was on staff with this pastor, uh, his church down in Florida, and he sent me kind of a, a, a picture of the screen, a screen what? A screenshot, thank you, love. A screenshot of... Uh, the temperature there is 50 degrees. Wow, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then a few days later, because it gives you, you know, the, like the 10-day forecast, he circled, I think Wednesday's 80 or something like that. <laughs> so, hey, and I'm thinking, I, I, could, I, I want that right now, you know? I, I could use that right here in this moment. And, and then, you know, that kind of, that's kind of a normal kind of way of life we have where we see something, we want it, you know? Uh, not so much maybe weather or maybe so much as oh we see a car someone has well you know it's nice to have that car that home I'm talking more intrinsic internal things that in a good way we might admire about someone a, a characteristics that we say wow that that way they have about them their mannerism or, or uh, you know I, that, I, I admire that and I would like to have that is part of my kind of makeup and I think that's okay I want to let you know if you think that way or thinking that way that you have something in common with some of those who followed Jesus in the very beginning his disciples in particularly his core followers that we know as apostles you know there were many men and women that followed Jesus his disciples in the beginning 12 men we we kind of call them apostles that were around him the most and, and they were of the Jewish religion. Their ethnicity was Hebrew. They prescribed um, zealously to the Jewish religion. And part of that was at an early age, they had to memorize with certain things that they had to, um, were required to do to memorize what they called their Torah. First five books of the Old Testament of, of our Bible, they memorized it word for word. Wow, okay. And then prayer big part of their life, of their daily routine. From early on, they would, for the most part, some say required, some say it was, you know, let's just say, yeah, it was pretty much required to pray three times a day on special feasts, holidays, high Sabbaths, four or five times a day, they would pray. So they grew up from a little one, you know, watching dad, mom, grandpa, grandma, you know, aunts, uncles, as a pray three times a day, four times a day, when they came, let's just say 12, 13 is probably a, a, a good um, line there, starting point, they began to pray three, four times a day. And yet now, so I mean, let's just say they're well-versed in prayer, right? On how to pray. And yet here we have them looking at Jesus one day, they're observing Jesus, and they say, hey, something's missing in what we're doing. We want 
what he has. We're observing something in Jesus that we see in him, a way about him when it comes to God, and we want that in us. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us, your apostles, to pray, just as John taught his disciples. You see, they saw something in Jesus that they did not have. And it was something special, clearly. And it, it was something likely very intriguing to them. That was very different from what they had experienced in their many, many years and many, many days of praying. Like, not hundreds, but maybe tens of thousands. Even over the last several years, and it's this prayer, this, this kind of a relationship with God. To this day, every year you'll hear about different studies amongst followers of Jesus. And, you know, what, we, what do you think you'd like to do most? And especially around this time of year, what, what do you think is most critical in your relationship with God? And what comes back always is I want to grow spiritually, meaning at the top of the list in so many words, I want to grow spiritually, and the way I think I need to do that is by increasing my time of prayer with God. Meaning, I want to connect to God more. I want to grow in my relationship with God more, and I think I need to pray more. So that's what this verse is going to be all about. That's what our 21 days of prayer is about, about having a relationship with God and from that relationship having a prayer life because it's your relationship that's going to dictate your prayer life. And if your prayer life is healthy, it's going to continually build a healthy relationship with God. But first we want to grow in our relationship with God through prayer. The apostles saw something in Jesus that they did not have. Some of us, many of us, start out our day in front of a mirror. Not all of us, but fortunately, most of us, right? And, uh, you know, brush our teeth, uh, you know, brush do our hair. Uh, some spend less time, spend, some spend more time, right? You know? <laughs> Better results, less results. Okay, I had to, I had to fix that fast. I, <laughs> I can gauge the face pretty quick, you know? But no, but I think it's just, it's just you know, we're kind of used, that's the start of our day. Get up, boom, the mirror. It, it's, it's the beginning of us starting our day, us gauging, starting to think what's going to go on and how we're going to take on this day. Huh? And then there's another way of starting a day, and that's where you start with the cross. Now, I'm not knocking the mirror. Please keep going to your mirror to do what you need to do. It's good for all of us. But I'm saying another way of starting a day is at the cross, right? Before anything, before anything is thought about, before anything is contemplated, before we go anywhere, we go to the cross. Huh? And, and we come to a place of reliance on God. This, we're going to begin our day with this dependence on God. What we need, we need to be connecting to God today. We want to be aware of God today. We need a miracle today, but we want to start the day at the cross in time talking to God versus beginning the day just right out of the gate. Man, before our eyes even open, our brains are going, and we are now going to set the tone for the day. We are going to be in control that day. We're going to map out the day in our way and our will, huh? And that's sort of what it kind of just creeps in on us, you know, where there's like, it happens innocently. It's, it's not 
you know, like we dislike or hate God. It's, it's kind of like we, we got this, you know. There are, there are situations in our life, things that are happening, and it's like, I got this. I can handle this. I can do this. It's all good. Until I get to the end of my rope, and if I get there, well, okay, then, you know, then I'll cry out to God. Or if we get into a crisis mode, then I'll, I'll call out and I'll cry out to God. I'll, I'll turn to God, right? You know, if I get that report that someone is ill that I love, that something's not right with me, that they want to see me again in, 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 at the hospital or the doctor's office, or, you know, something's happened unexpectedly. I got up one day, and before the day ends, tragedy would come into my life. I experience this as a pastor at least once a month, sometimes a few times a month. Even this past week, twice I was with people, sitting with them, when they lost people who were close to them. As I was with them, they got a call. So-and-so just died unexpectedly, right? It just happens. And then is that when we're going to call out to God. And, and yes, I don't want to discourage you from calling out to God in those moments. But what about when you get a promotion? What about when you get the report that your child's done well in school, huh? Or, the, or that they got accepted to a college? Or what about times where good things have come into your life, you know? Are you then compelled to be talking to God? Are you having conversation with God? Are you praying to God in these times and in these moments? Or do you gradually and slowly scoot over to that self-reliance, you know? That kind of that mirror where, okay, let's start it and continue it in my mode. You see, sometimes some of us, perhaps many of us at one time or another, we see God as a holy mechanic. And I say mechanic like someone who fixes cars, right? Meaning that, you know, you only go to your mechanic if you have a problem with your car, right? Unless you're married to a mechanic or you're a pastor and you have a good relationship with your mechanic. For the most part, you, you don't really have this meaningful relationship with your mechanic, right? Unless, you know, you connect to your mechanic when your car has a problems, outside of your problem with your car, you don't have a relationship with your mechanic. You don't talk to them about the intimate things in your life. You just look to them to fix your car. And this is how we, at times, sometimes it's a totality of some of our relationship with God, how we function with God, right? Our holy mechanic. We go to God when we really need him and when we think we're at the end of trying to handle the problems ourselves. And the crazy thing is, and, is that this way of thinking kind of puts us in a trajectory where we are creating the problem. We're making problems worse. And rather than going to him sooner than later, rather than being this mode of at the cross in the beginning of the day than the mirror, it, it's just making matters worse. And then we come to the end where, oh, no, and then we go to God. And it's always good to go to God. But we're talking about relationship here. What relationship is taking place in this urgent crisis, God help me here, versus this day to day. We're talking about relationship. You know, when I first started coming around church in my late teens, uh, I was going to a, a Protestant church for the first time. I was kind of dipping, going in, dipping, dabbing at first, and, uh, and then submerged. It was what they call a born-again type church, and I saw people kind of praying, and, 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 and then I, saw, I heard them talking to God, and this was very different for me, because let alone I didn't even talk to God in my head, 
<laughs> I mean, I knew to talk to God like if my grandmother was dying or if so-and-so had gone into a car or so-and-so. I, I, I knew to, hey, you know, there was some things I would talk to God in these circumstances, situations, and life, death, grave moments, but I didn't, like, talk to God. And now they're talking to God out loud on top of what? It's, yeah. And I didn't think it was, like, freaky. There were other things they did I thought was freaky. But I just thought, you know, it just, I was kind of intrigued by it, but I, I really thought they were sincere about what they were doing. And, and, so, and I did get, over time I got is, hey, is, that's what's different between me and them? And over time, the answer was yes. That's what was different between me and these Christians. You know, call them holy rollers, call them born-again Christians, call them whatever you want to call them. That was the difference. They were having this relationship with God. And that's what the next few weeks are about. That's what this series is about. You having a relationship with God. That relationship being a basis for your prayer life with God. And one that's based more on a relationship than just being rescued. Than just being rescued, but having an intimate, dear, meaningful, active, and effective relationship with God in 2018. Hear me out. This will better all of our lives. I don't know if you've been hearing it for 40 years, you'll believe it. This year, I'm going to increase my relationship and my prayer with God. And for some of you, it is going to absolutely transform your life if you will get this and you will adopt this and embrace this way of thinking. Any relationship requires time, effort, and energy. It's true. And the energy is a big part of it sometimes. I realized, some, I, was, I talked to dads and moms, and they're running around, and they're just looking for more time. And one of the things I realized is sometimes it's just energy. You know, because it's really in that moment where you can just muster up the energy to be present with your child or to be present with your husband or wife. You know, just, and even though several minutes could mean so much, it's like the first five minutes you walk through your home, if you've been out, just they say set the tone for the rest of the night or the rest of so many hours in your day. And that's just where you're going to, you're tired. You just need to say, I'm going to, God Almighty, I'm going to have the energy to just make these several minutes happen. And I'm going to continue. So you're investing time and energy. And that's what needs to happen in your relationship with God, in your thinking of God and talking to God. You have to invest time and energy. And that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer. And people are opening up their home in different places at night. And we're opening up the church here Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 in the morning. And, and people are sending out emails every single day. And, and you might be the one who says, you know, that's just another email. Keep go- hey, your choice, you know. I promise you, I lose no sleep over that. When you ignore that email and click on something else, like something freaking wacky just happened in Pakistan or in California, somebody did this and that, and, 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 and you know, and, and this is what this one looks like, you know, 50 years from when they were on TV, and oh, cool, whatever, you know. I'm just telling you. So I guess I've been guilty of that nonsense too, right? Because I wouldn't be so well versed in it. But to pause and say, you know what? I'm going to take the time and the energy right now, and I'm going to see what, what's going on here. What are we praying about today? What's the guidance today? What's the devotion? What's the words that are in this email that I can just pause and just dwell on huh? and start to talk to God through this? It's going to help me. It's going to guide me. It's going to facilitate. It's going to give me this environment to just begin to talk to God. And that's what this 21 days is about. That's what this sermon series is about. We want to kick off this year 
powerfully and intentionally by participating in prayer. I want you to do that with me, yeah? You see, the thing is, why 21 days? Why all the different angles? Because we want you to become familiar with it. I don't think, I wonder if many people just aren't familiar with having a relationship that's based on, founded on talking with God and communicating with God every day. And when you're not familiar with it, it just always seems awkward or not right. You know, so as you know, I don't like the game of golf. My family tells me I shouldn't use the word hate. It's too strong. It shouldn't come. Okay, so I really seriously don't like the game of golf, right? And now, but, and I don't really play it anymore, but I, I, I used to play it. And you say, why'd you play it? Well, sometimes just in the, my occupation at times, what I've done, I've not always been in ministry, although some ministers tend to have an affection for this game as well. Uh, but it seemed to be kind of the betterment in what I did to go out and, and play. Uh, sometimes just being friendly and kind. My father-in-law doesn't like to play alone. God Almighty, somebody play with this man so I never have to do it again. <laughs> uh, and so I would, I would go out with him. And, and you know, it just, it just, again, I've told you it wouldn't go well. I mean, I'm a nice guy, more or less, I really am, but put a golf club in my hand, and I just become dangerous, careless, foul, reckless, incompetent. It's just all those adjectives, just pile them on, you know? And uh, it's, I mean, there, there are times I have, I have, that club has gone farther than the ball more than once, and either by me purposely throwing it, I can, or just by accidentally just letting it go. And I had that problem. I just, some people have the problem with slicing the ball. I have a problem with letting my club go. So, you know, I get plenty of room. But he, my father-in-law used to tell me this. He'd say, you know, the problem is you only play every now and then. That's the problem, Dave. You don't like the game. You don't enjoy the game because you don't know the game. You always just every now and then you come out. You, you swear you're only going to play nine holes. Sometimes you only play seven, you know. You just don't, you're not familiar with the game. So what do you tell me? And he was right. I just not going to change my mind. I still don't like the game. But I think that's kind of what happens with us and prayer. Since we don't do it most of the time, day to day, often, we're just not really looking forward to it. We don't really enjoy it. You know, it's not something we want to do. It's kind of awkward because we're just not familiar with it. Talking to God in prayer is all about relationship. Real prayer is driven by relationship, not need or crisis. I'm not saying Real prayer, prayer isn't taking place when you're in crisis or in need. I'm saying when you have a time of crisis or need, you want to be praying ideally from relationship. That's a great place to be praying from, from relationship. Talking to a God that you're familiar with in a way that you're familiar with. And you have this because at other times in your life, not just a crisis, you've been in this t mode of communication. You know, it's okay to pray to God in times of need, but what about these other moments when things are not well? It's vital to speak to God. King David, who is a man after God's heart, says in Psalm 27, verses 7 through 8, he says, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. My heart has heard you, God, say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Wow. And that's God's word for you today. God says to you today, come and talk with me. 
in 2018, come and talk with me. Don't let today end. Don't let January end where you are comfortable and familiar with coming to talk to me, God says. That's a relationship with God. God is saying, talk to me. And we're saying, I'll talk to you when I need you, (laughs) right? God is pursuing us and we're turning from him. We're giving him like one ear or no ear or here and there. At times, but yet, and we're kind of dictating and manipulating how that's going to happen and when it happens. And then life happens, and I'm like, whoa, my kids have four wonderful children. They are. They're just exceptional. I thank God for them. They are different personalities. They were raised, as I say, every child is raised in a different home. Well, we have two children that actually came in. So maybe they were raised in the same home at the same time, 21 minutes apart, something like that. And uh, they are human beings, and they have desires, and at times their desires do not line up with what I prefer they would have at that time, in that moment in their life, right? Um, I will win out almost always, if not always. But they still will, and different children to different degrees will say, okay, whether they get the answer they don't want or they perceive they're going to get the answer they don't want, they will begin to approach it in different ways, right? In a sense, they're trying to butter me up. They're trying to manipulate me, uh, either by conducting themselves in a certain way or outright just trying to move the conversation around to enlighten me on what I don't realize or, or, or clarify things. Uh, and, and, and this is what they do. It's kind of a strategy. I have, for the most part, trained three of my children out of this. I have one child. I'm still working on it. And, but due to that, there's outside influences, not my wife, not my mother-in-law. I'll let you figure it out. That continually gives into this. It makes it a little bit harder for me. But we'll get there. We'll get there, right? <laughs> Listen, imagine if we turn to God, not looking to manipulate anything, not looking to think, okay, God, here's what I want. This is what I need, you know. Uh, and, and we just turned to God and said, Lord, I'm just here to talk with you. I, I'm just coming to talk with you. I mean, who knows me more than you? Who do I need to know more than you, God? I, I just want to talk with you today. What would that look like in your life, you know? See, there's a difference in our attitude when we think like that. There's a difference in our atmosphere when we think like that. And we come to a place of true worship. That begins true worship. From that relationship comes a time of true worship with God. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23, But the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Will you worship God today? Will you worship God in 2018 like you've never worshipped God before? He's so worthy of that. He so wants to share that with you. True worships are not just trying to get something out of God. They're not trying to, you know, and I, I've done, I did this before. I, sometimes I'll confess to Christy, and I'll, she'll be like, oh, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm having a very elementary conversation with God. That's what I call them. <laughs> well, I think I'm bothering with them. Like, okay, you know, if you do this, I'll really do this. Even though I haven't done it yet, you know. We've been talking about this for three years now. But if you could just get, uh, and I laugh at myself because I, we go there. 
But man, he's got so much more for me than I'm even asking. It's what it says in Ephesians 3.20. He's got so much more for me than I can even imagine. I don't even know what I need. It says that in Ephesians 3.20.21. True worshipers just want to have a relationship with God. They just want to love God. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's talking about here. This is how he's saying we should approach his heavenly Father, our Father in heaven. Before you go before God, before you talk about what you need, your request, before anything, just honor him. Just exalt him. Just talk. You know, we think and then we feel and then we act, right? You know, think about what he's done for you. Think about who he is. May that bring a sense of comfort to you, of gladness to you, of joy. Uh, May you feel affections, you know, towards him. And that is going to really set that attitude and atmosphere. True worship establishes the atmosphere, the attitude that conveys this, where I am and where God is in our relationship. That's what happens when I start that way. If I go at it from another way, it gets distorted on where he is and where I am. But if I come at it from that place of adoration, that place of of just acknowledging God, that place of wanting God, that place of loving God, then he's here, the God of eternity, and I'm here. And that's a good thing because he's going to raise me up. I'm certainly not going to raise him up, right? This way of thinking, this attitude facilitates a crucial step in our growth in our relationship with God. It has to exist for us to have the utmost, healthiest relationship with God. Or maybe, you know, I'm sorry, it has to exist to have a healthy relationship with God, and that is to surrender, to fully surrender to God. Now, this isn't easy. I know we, I've, every time I say this, I will usually parenthetically make this statement, you're checking out on me. <laughs> And I say that because I would check out when I would hear that word. Like, okay, yeah, 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 I'll take it in, you know, the way that it's going to work for me. Or my mind is already kind of categorizing what I would surrender and what I won't surrender. That's off the board. I I just, how we are. But today I'm thinking, would you consider fully surrendering to God? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. You've probably seen it in paintings, depicted in movies. The Passion of Christ was kind of one of those really cool depictions of it. Uh, he's not, he's soon to endure phenomenal suffering, beatings, torture, whipping, spit on, being degraded. He knows it's coming. The Bible talks about that he's so overwhelmed emotionally He's so filled with sorrow and grief that he begins to sweat blood. Only it's been the last, I think, couple of decades where they said, wow, this is actually possible now, where your capillaries begin to just open up. You're so overwhelmed. And the Bible tells us, shares with us why, so you can hear this today, what he was saying, what was going on. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, he went on a little farther, he, Jesus, and bowed with his face to the ground. I mean, he's bowing. The blood is dripping. The sweat is pouring out of him. And he's praying now. He's talking to his Father in heaven, our Father. And he says, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. 
yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So Jesus kind of said he wanted out. Look, I, is there another way we can do this? This is not what I would think. Maybe we can have another plan. This is really not my desire in this moment, huh? Meaning, you know, and yet what does he do? I don't even know if he but glances to the mirror and he goes to the cross. He's saying, I'm, go, I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to set the example that all could see for all eternity, for, for the rest of the history of this world, I'm going to go to the cross. Not my will, Father, but your will be done in my life. I will not take control right now in all my agony and all my pain. And all the de- I will not take control. Not my will, but your will. Now, what's interesting about this, and this, if you to say so in such brutality, is that it's not the first time Jesus prayed like this. I mean, it, it's magnified because of the severity of it and the graphic nature of it and what is, it's attached to the beginning of his road to the cross, but it's not the first time that he talked like this. You see, Jesus lived out this example in his life. He actually gave it as a model to his followers. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, we read the same uh, discussion is in Luke, that's in Matthew, it's in Luke 11 and Matthew 6, uh, different views but same discussion. They're talking about prayer. How do you pray? How do you approach God? And here's in Matthew 6, verse 9 through 10, Jesus says this, pray like this, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. Some of you know it is hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying on this very ordinary day where our disciple just casually walks up to him, though intently, teaches to pray. How should we pray? No crisis going on right there. This is how you should do it. He responds in an everyday life-as-usual moment with this is how you do it. Not my will, but your will be done. Not our will, but our Heavenly Father's will be done. And he's telling them you want to do this because you want to be ready in your everyday life to continually be with God in a place of surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. See, he knew, Jesus knew what was coming ahead in their lives. They would all give their life for the sake of Christianity, for the sake of faith in Jesus. He knew that was coming. He knew persecution was coming. And he knew that they need to practice this mindset to create this atmosphere in their lives every day, every day. Otherwise, in the moment, they would likely not come to that place. Because what happens? In the moment, we go to what we're used to doing. That's what we do. When life happens, when we get that call, when, you know, tragedy happens, when crisis comes in, we, we do what we're used to doing. As I say, we go to what we know. Huh? And sometimes, if not always, what we know, if it's not surrendering to God, it's going to be insufficient to handle and to deal with the crisis at hand. And sometimes it actually makes things worse, right? But if we're familiar with surrendering to God, if we're familiar with talking with God, well then we enjoy talking with Him and we willingly surrender to God like Jesus did there, huh? 
We do it every day and we do it in our times of need. We want to put ourselves in this relationship with God where we're saying to him, God, not my will, but your will. And it'll creep up on you. And it'll get cloudy on you. And I say, I say it out loud. I say, okay, I get this. <laughs> I see what's happening here. You know what? I, I, I don't even think I can have an honest conversation with you right now. I'm just so twisted about this thing. Um, yeah, so here's, here's it. It's not my will, but your will be done. Really, that, that's my heart. If I even start talking and thinking about it and I go there, it's just, man, it's just overwhelming right now. So here, here's the deal. You know that I know that not my will but your will be done. Give me the strength to do this. <laughs> Give me the tenacity. Give me the perseverance, to, to, the courage to just see this through. I really, God, want to do your will, not my will in this situation. Can you do that? In 2018, can you begin to practice surrendering to God every day in your life, in your time of prayer? They say the way you play is the way you practice, right? That's true now, huh? This is having a relation with God, practicing surrendering in prayer. And if you do this, you will be able to pray with confidence. Wow. Sometimes we go before God, and this is huge. One thing feeds another. You know, I don't know how often, and I wonder how we, are we confident when we go before God to pray? I think more than not, sometimes we go before God feeling maybe ashamed. We're focusing on our failure. We're coming to him from a place of kind of insignificance, right? And that's just so not the way it's supposed to be, and it's not what God has called it out to be. God wants us to pray with confidence. He want, Jesus didn't die on a cross, went through all that so we could walk in with our, you know, our head in our hands and, our, and bowed. And no, that's not life. It's not what he gave his life for. He, gave, he, he put us in a position that we could come before God boldly, confidently. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest. That's Jesus. The high priest is the intercessor between God and man and women. He said, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Say with me, say confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see... When you're practice surrendering, now you're fully surrendering. You're now facilitating your being able to go before God wholly and tap into all of his resources and his might and his power, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. It just gets poured out on you. And once you experience that, you, have, you come before God with confidence, knowing that he not has, but he is love, and he, not, he is light, and he is mercy, and he is grace. And you're just stepping into that presence, and you have a relationship with that, and you're openly having a conversation from that relationship where you're talking, and you're confessing, and you're acknowledging. And in that comes confidence. You're just confident about what's happening there. It says James chapter 5 talks about 
the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I am a child of God. And I'm going before my Father in heaven right now. And I'm going to talk with him. And that is going to be effective in my life and in the lives of those I love. That's going to produce something good in me and in the lives of those I love. It's going to be a good thing. And I'm going in there. And I know because I've surrendered to God and because I've surrendered to him fully, I've experienced the power and the effectiveness of these conversations. And so I'm even more confident than ever, right? It's crazy. We're going crazy with our references to the patriots. I'm just lathering you up because any week now I'm going to come after your heart, okay? But it's true. You know, you just you expect to win, right? I mean, no matter you're down by this, you're down by that, you're just thinking, okay, we're going to win. Although last year I was the only guy in the room think, saying, I think you're still going to win. You guys were running for the hills. But really, I said, I'm telling you, I, I, this guy was made for this. I actually said those words with my Steve Grogan shirt on, trying to mock you. I said, I said, you know what? This guy was made for this moment on this stage to show everybody I, I am the greatest. I said, watch this. Watch. And he did it. You just have this confidence because right? you've experienced it. You've participated in it. Fully surrender to God in 2018. Trust him with all that you have. And then watch what he does with that relationship. Watch what he does in that relationship. And when you experience that, you're going to have this confidence. Oh, this is what mercy is. This is what grace is. I can overcome this. This can change. Things can be better. He's got this. I don't see it right now, but faith is, hope, is believing in things that are not seen. And hope is not a wish. It's believing in something that I have reason and evidence to believe in. So I'm going to have faith, and I'm going to have hope, and I'm going to have confidence in my God, the one I am in a deep relationship with. Yes? Now here's something you want to just go as we close out. I don't want to call the worship team up yet, but you, you want to consider talking to God, you know? Talking to God openly, talking to God out loud, whatever it is. When I came in this morning, I... I started praying, and somehow I, just, I was a little off kilter. I don't know, I was a little distracted, so I started talking out loud. You, you, you probably didn't hear me, but if you looked at me, you'd see my lips moving, you know? Uh, you know? There's so much going on in our head, so much going on in our mind. If you have to talk out loud to God, it's okay, because you're confident in God, right? Talk, speak boldly and confidently to your God. You can do it, you can do it publicly. We're okay with that, too, in our times of prayer, to just talk out loud to God. Talk out loud for somebody when you're praying for them. That's okay. I'm not saying about a scripture. I was in a, again, I was kind of like a, I don't know, was I a freak in Bible college? No, okay. I was kind of like an odd person out in Bible college, right? Um, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for not good reasons. Uh, when, I was, when I used to do this, I'd get a note in my box warning me to stop it when I would not show you, right? <laughs> I would get like five notes a month. But one day, I would go in and out of the prayer chapel from time to time, and not once, but a few, on a few occasions, I'd see these cards and these pieces of paper with words written down. And I guess it seemed to be like a prayer. And then I'd go to chapel, and I'd hear them get out with a thus say at the Lord. If I had a tomato, I'd have hit them with it, I'm telling you. Or, you know, or I'd have them, you know, uh, you know or they would just be praying out loud. I'm like, man, that's... I, I just read that like two days ago in the chapel or this morning early. I went there and I, we don't want that. You don't want to make it a platform. You don't want to elevate yourself. 
You don't want to be scripting a story in your head and how, what am I going to say, how am I going to look? That's not where we're coming from. Not that you don't give any thought to it, but don't make it your platform, your story, what you're going to do. Just talk to God sincerely and earnestly. I would often be able to tell because when they talk, their tonation, their words, it was very different than or from how they would normally talk, right? Just, just talk to God. And, and again, practically speaking, if, if it's good for you, my mind is a very clouded mind, you know? You know, I start, next thing you know, I'm like, I don't know who played this song in the 70s and, and uh, what's going to be on TV tonight and, oh, you know, this one I should call them. And I'm just like, oh, and like, that's five seconds, man. And so sometimes I just got to talk to God out loud. I'm here, God, and I'm glad to be here, and uh, I need you. I know I always need you, but uh, today, wow, I just, uh, I, I just want to really know that today I really need you. <laughs> um, and God, have mercy on me today. I am not in a favorable situation. Favorable situation. Well, God, I am just, uh, somehow, I don't want to miss this moment in just telling you thank you. Just thank you, God. I, I don't know why, I don't know how, this goodness came into my life. I, I, I don't want to feel guilty here, but I, I, I just don't want to miss the moment in just recognizing the goodness of what you've done in my life and how much it is so effective to depend on you, God. I will speak it out loud, right? So talk to God. Be confident. Be bold. Know it's effective. Listen. Just like when you look in the mirror versus going to the cross each and every day, go before God with this relationship mentality. Going before God saying, I love you. Worship team, why don't you come up? Talking to him openly. Someone said, and I'm going to drive the people on the screen crazy if I haven't done it already. Someone once said that God knows your thoughts, though he loves to hear your voice. Huh? He wants relationship. He doesn't want rehearsed prayers. He wants energy. Uh, he doesn't want guilt, <laughs> you know, and oh, obligation. He wants relationship. He wants this. He wants you to say today, my God, I love you. My God, your will is more important than my will. My God, I am confident in who I am in you, and I am confident in what you're going to do in my life. If you do this, you will have a relationship with God that, that's personal and not formal. That's a big difference. Get out of this formal relationship with God and get into a personal relationship with God. This is not a formality. This is a reality. And living out this way will change your life for the better. God said, come and talk to me. And there were probably a lot of good sounding jingles and stuff like that when he said it as well, right? A harp. I think David played the harp. God said, come and talk to me. He knows your needs. He knows your future, but he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to pray with him, to him. And you could start doing that today. 21 days of prayer. We do that, why? We do that to honor God. He's just so worthy of it. But now it kind of will help you establish discipline. 
You know, it is discipline and it's habits. You can't live every day of your life in old discipline. It's, I tried and I always fail. What I learned is you can, for a short time, carry out some intense disciplines that will help you create habits that can last you for a long time. So in these 21 days, I'm saying join us in starting some healthy disciplines. Get, get up and, make, and drive early that morning. Uh, open up that email. Start, you know, just push past the, ah, and no, wait a minute, this is going to be effective. I am confident in this. I want to have this relationship. He is worthy. I need it. What, just push past the obstacles that might say, oh, you know, is he really hearing me? The obstacle, oh, do I really, do, do, do I not trust him? The obstacle of I feel guilty. Just, just push past all these obstacles and just get to these times of prayer, whether it's here with us, whether it's in somebody's home, whether it's opening up that email and sitting in your home and just spending time talking to God, whatever it is, participate. Start, just we're helping you to start the disciplines so that you would taste God, the goodness of him, and begin to establish the habits of being with God. Why don't you stand with me and bow your heads? Let's just uh, be still here. Um, Oh, my Father, you are so worthy right now of our attention. We are so grateful to be here to start this year with you, oh God. Lord, may may we encourage one another right now as we just exalt you and just recognize you for who you are, a living and a loving God. Lord, I pray for those who have been in church and kicking this Christianity around for a long time that right now, God, they would just cry out to you, that they would want to know you in a deeper, more personal way, oh God, that they would just recognize any dullness in their relationship when it comes to talking with you, that right now from the depth of within that they would just be so surrendered to you, oh God, and that they would be filled not with a fear or a hesitancy, but with a confidence, oh God, knowing that goodness has begun, that your plan is growing in their life that you will do more in their life than they could imagine, oh God. And Lord, I pray for those right now who want to have a relationship with God and might not have had one before they walked in here today. Lord, I I praise you and I thank you for drawing them, for bringing them in here, oh God, for awakening them, oh God, by your Holy Spirit stirring in them and moving their hearts and putting in deposits, oh God, that all have come to this moment right now today that they would say, right now, I want to start now having a relation with God, and I'm going to do that by talking to God. I need you, God. I need you, and I want to live my life for you, and I thank you for Jesus. I confess my belief in Jesus. I confess my sins, and I realize and I'm thankful that he gave his life that those sins would be forgiven and I come before you now and forevermore not with guilt not out of obligation not with my head hung low but I come to you with confidence knowing you have mercy for me and grace for me thank you thank you Jesus amen